Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you as always for your blessed Holy Word and the anointing upon it. Thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you for that utterance, Father, for all of us, but especially through our services, through our teaching. We thank you for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that as we speak, we speak as of the oracles of God, the very mouths and sayings of God. And when we minister, we minister with the ability of God that you give us. So we thank you, Father, for that privilege. We thank you, Father, that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. We thank you again, dear Father, that when we uh, speak and teach your word, we do it in love. We do it to further the kingdom. We thank you, Father, that we live in a free country, that we're free, of, free from loss, harm, damage, injury, and inclement weather. We have that protection. We're free to speak and preach and teach your word, sing it, praise it, without fear of retribution or reprisal. So we thank you for those privileges. We thank you again that we can come and gather in the name of the Lord, where two or three are gathered in your uh, name. There you are in the midst. So we thank you for it. We honor you and bless you. We thank you for revival in our land and around this world. We thank you again for your love poured out, shed abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit, the great teacher, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we live in, of course, in a time, a day and age. I, I like that term, day and age. We live in a day and age when... Uh, because we are in the church age, and, and this is a day. This is the day that the Lord has made, the Bible says. So we live in a day and an age when a lot of Christians, though, equate this word profit with prosperity and vice versa. If, you're, if you don't have a lot of profit, you're not prosperous, or, or you're not prosperous until you profit. Well, we're going to look at the word profit here, and... and look at prosperity a little bit. We, we all want to live prosperous, fruitful lives, and we all need to be prosperous, but we have to see the difference. In this particular opening, it says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go, who teaches you to profit and leads you by the way you should go. Well, if he teaches us to profit, it must be something that we need to learn. You know, why, why would God want to teach us something to be useless? So he teaches us to profit. And the rest of the verse there actually uh, helps us with the meaning of the word profit. Now that, that of course is not prophet like the prophet Isaiah that's, that's spelled with a P-H and an E-T <coughs> I know some people spell things the way they sound but this is prophet uh, you know the kind of prophet that's beneficial the word in this Hebrew text right here is actually 3276 in the Strong's it, it's pronounced y'all not y'all like Y-A apostrophe 
L L, you know, you all, but y'all, it's Y A W A L, if we were to spell it in English, in the Hebrew, it's y'all. It means to be valuable, useful, and to do good. So he teaches us to profit, and if you put aside just the money factor there, to be valuable, to be useful, and to do good. Now you can do that without a dime in your pocket. You can do that without a nickel in the bank. You can do that uh, with a million dollars maybe in the bank or a couple million. You can do that with great property and wealth. So he teaches us to profit. Well, you'd be surprised really how much, how, how close these words are, profit and prosperity. But it says here, he, who teaches you, the word teach there in the Hebrew. And, and, you know, we need to, you know, I don't just give you these things to fill time. You know, we, we need to study the Bible, not just to look at it and read it, because sometimes when it was written, it wasn't written in English, of course, and we have to, to figure out exactly what it means. We want to study it, not just to read it. The Bible doesn't say read it to show uh, yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. It says study it. So we're going to study it, and that's why we look at these Hebrew and Greek words, not, not just for something to do, but this word teaches here. We all know what teaches means. Well, in the Hebrew, this particular word is 39... 25 in the Strong's, it's Lamad, Lamad, to instruct, train, prod, goad, teach. So there's more to it than just teach. You can teach somebody something without really instructing them anything, right? Or without really training them or prodding them or goading them. But it, it means all those. To instruct, train, prod, goad, teach. To cause someone to learn. You know, those of you that are teachers, or have been teachers, uh, just just about everybody in here has taught something uh, at one time or another. And, and those of you who are and have been, that's that's just about all of us. Like I said, you understand that you can teach and teach and teach, and sometimes people won't learn. Well, this word, the origin, this says to cause someone to learn. The origin of the verb may be traced to the goading of cattle. Similarly, teaching and learning are attained through a great variety of goading. By memorable events, techniques, or lessons. Of course, you just don't stand in front of the class and, you know, blurt out a bunch of things. And, and uh, those that stay awake learn that. Obviously not. That doesn't work all the time. There's different methods of teaching. You don't teach math the same way you teach one of the sciences or history. Doesn't make any sense. It's like playing baseball with football rules. You can't do it. Or basketball with football rules. They look like they do sometimes, but it, you know, it doesn't work. No. He says... Teaching and learning are attained through a great variety of goading by memorable events, memorable events, techniques, or lessons. From Lamad comes Talmud, Melamed, and Talmud, being respectfully scholar, student, and the book of rabbinic learning. So we understand that if he teaches us to profit, it's more than just throwing it out there and saying, well, get what you can. 
you know, through this one method I'm going to teach you. Well, no, it, it's goading, training, teaching through a variety of techniques or lessons. So he's going to teach us to profit, to be valuable and useful and to do good. He teaches us that through his word. We have his word on the subject. His word, of course, doesn't return void, empty, or without meaning or usefulness, but accomplishes what he pleases and prospers in the thing for which he sent it. So, we have his word to learn. We have other things that go on in our lives to learn. We have the move of the Spirit. We have the leading of the Spirit. He's going to teach us to be profitable. But the main way he's going to teach us is through the study of his word. In the New Testament, of course, we see a New Testament comparison here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, you know, it's, this is one of the subjects that, that really uh, coincides almost completely New and Old Testament. You see, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in the word. Instruction meaning training and discipline in the word. All scripture is inspired of God. So we're going to learn through his word. He's going to teach us through his word. Everything that, li- everything that happens, whether it's a, a leading of the Spirit, a move of the Spirit, uh, something, you know, a spiritual gift, it has to line up with the Word. The Spirit and the Word agree. So He's going to teach us. That word profitable, there in, in the Greek, of course, we're in the New Testament here in 2 Timothy, that word profitable... There's, there's really three words for it. The last three words in the Strong's, 56, 22, 23, and 24. Profitable meaning uh, being ophelia, ophilio, and ophilamos. Profitable. Usefulness, benefit, advantageous, profit, profitable or to better oneself. Now that sounds almost exactly like the Hebrew translation of that word. This word profit, profitable, those are the main usages in the New Testament. To to be usefulness, benefit, advantageous, profit, profitable, to better oneself. And, and if you look up and study the other New Testament words, they, there's a couple more uh, they mean basically the same thing. Profit, profitable, benefit, advantageous. He's going to teach us that way. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Profitable. To better ourselves, to be a benefit. Does it mean just money? No, not just money. It means every area of our lives. Hebrew words and Greek mean basically the same here. So what conclusions? At what conclusions can we arrive from that? He wants to teach us to be profitable, advantageous, useful, and better. 
and he gives us the abilities to do that. Look back at at Second Timothy there. Just well, you're already you're already back to it. Second Timothy. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Profitable for that. Look at Mark chapter 8. Here's another usage of it. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Just follow along here. Just, this is another use of the same word. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus said, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. What generation did he live in? Of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Just another usage of the word profitable. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Loses his very being? What, what will he give in exchange for his soul? Well, we have to keep our priorities tight. And, and I think that's the problem that people get into. They hear a teaching, you know, and you know, it'd be nice that somebody will teach and give an example and give a testimony of how God gave him a car or God gave him a house or God gave him something that, you know, that was completely out of the ordinary and, and a miracle and they believe God for it and they got it by faith and somebody says, well, I, you know, I'm going to try that. You know, I want that. I need that. And we all need a house. We all need cars. We, you know, why, why would we want to you know, walk when we can drive a car. Especially when we live 12 miles from everything around here, right? Why, why would we want to walk? Or horse and buggy. I saw the, the uh, people the other day at Walmart that drive the horse and buggies. You know, and I, you know how far they come to get to Walmart. And you think, Lord, they picked the coldest day of the week. It was about 30 degrees and windy. And travel all that distance and, and you know, wives and children, they, they didn't even have their umbrella thing up on the buggy. And I, I was thinking, what in the world? How, you know, how is that a prosperous way? Of, well, that, that's their choice. They, they can do that. They can walk if they want to. I don't want to. I enjoy turning a key, getting in a car and going somewhere in a good car. You know, and, and I enjoy getting there between... Where I go and when I get there, the thing not breaking down and being warm in the winter, nice and cool in the summer. At least get the windows down, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy living in a nice house and things like that. But we've got to keep our priorities straight. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We've talked about this one endlessly. But it, but it bears repeating here because we, we need to see how we keep our priorities straight. Verse 25, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. See, we, you know, this is the great not to worry opening here. Don't worry about your life. Take no thought, the King James says. Don't take any thought. Don't take worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Certainly it is. Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Yeah, but they've got themselves some feathers. Let's not argue here. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You won't add anything. You'll shrink up, right? You don't worry and, and get bigger. You worry and get smaller. You'll shrivel up from worry. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these, wasn't dressed like one of these lilies. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Just like earthly fathers know that there's a need in the family to take care of the family and provide. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So our first priority has to be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put God first. He'll teach you to profit. He'll goad you. He'll instruct you. He'll lead you. And you will profit. What You know, some people think that, well... If I don't take care of myself, who's going to do it? And God, you know, we'll just sit back and others take the other approach. We'll just sit and wait with our arms out, wait till he just throws everything down from heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. I knew it. I gave him the wrong Corinthians. It happens... At least once a week. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Don't worry about we're not worrying about Barnabas today. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse six. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in, in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now here's verse eight. This is what we need to see. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. An abundance for every good work. An abundance for every good work. He's providing, and He provides the sufficiency. You know, if you look back at the beginning of that chapter, he's talking about ministering to the saints. He says, concerning ministering to the saints, it's superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. He's talking, and then he says, but I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. God loves a cheerful giver. And he's able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things. Always having all sufficiency in all things. 
He's not going to see you give. He's not going to see you stand in faith. He's not going to see you uh, do this as an act of love and worship and then not provide for you. Jesus said it himself, consider the lilies of the field. They don't sow or reap, toil, you know, the sparrows don't sow. Consider all these things that, you know, it just doesn't, it's not necessary. You don't have to worry. He's going to do it. He's able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, all, may have an abundance for every good work. Abundance, superabundance. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. That's Psalm 112, by the way. Verse 9, he may, now, now may, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. An abundance for every good work. And while you're enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. The trickle-down effect, right? No, the main, the main reasoning for it, for, all, for thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So he gets the glory. We get the abundance. We get to distribute it properly. We're all, our need is met. We see that here, Philippians 4.19, it's already up there. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, let's all quit working then and just sit back and, and relax. No, we're, we're instructing the Bible to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. But you'll abound on your job. You'll abound at work. You'll, you'll profit because he teaches you to profit. Let's, let's take the full counsel here. And it's not wrong to want to prosper. It is not incorrect to want to prosper. It's wrong not to, really. Third John, the book of Third John, has only one chapter, of course, and verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. The word prosper, too, is... Here again, you know, somebody might accuse you of one, you know, preaching the prosperity message and talking all the time about money or whatever. You know, great ministers get accused of it. it all it means is to break out mightily, to go over, to profit, to have success in business and succeed in reaching goals. That's prosperity. Well, I can prosper on just a little. Well, you might be able to, and thank God for it. Thank God that you're content. But it's up to you to continue to prosper to whatever uh, 
heights and it, it, that you can imagine because it's, it's up to us to provide for the kingdom. It's up to us to provide for the saints. It's up to us to provide for the furtherance of the kingdom. It's wrong not to want to be prosperous. He says, I, I wish that you'd prosper. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health. Prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And we all, of course, we all know Joshua 1 and verse 8. You know that one backwards and forwards, don't you? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. And in the next verse, we don't have it up there, but it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid or be dismayed, for the Lord your God's with you wherever you go. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And of course, Psalm 1. We know that one. Blessed is the man who walks not. That means he doesn't walk. In the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stands in the way of sinners. In the path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law or the word of the Lord. And in this law or word he meditates day and night. So what happens when he does that? He'll, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. Did you ever hear somebody describe a person? Somebody will say, everything they do, they touch, they turn to gold. He just falls into money. Money just falls out of the sky and hits him in the head. Well, maybe he's exercising godly and biblical principles, doesn't even know it. Or maybe he does know it. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 is another one. See, he instructs us, if we study it out, it's there for us all. I'm going to build up to that a little bit. It says in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Well, certainly not. Brother, I wouldn't rob God. Yet you have robbed me, he says. But you say, and what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Thank God, that's not us he's talking about. We don't. But he says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. <clears throat> study it out. Well, I'm not blessed that way. Study it out. So, room enough means sufficient enough, a large enough quantity, plenty, and measureless. There won't be room enough. Oh, bring your tithes in the storehouse. We need to be prosperous to do God's work and provide for the needs of the saints, spiritually, physically, and mentally. It all costs money. I mean, I, I like what Brother Hagin used to say about that. He said, you know, that people get mad when we 
when we talk about the prosperity message, but it, the devil's kingdom and God's kingdom need funds to function in the world that we live, in the day and age that we live. So why do people get mad when, when you know, ministers profit or, or ministries profit or they have something decent or they're able to, to fly to meetings instead of going by horse and buggy or, or covered wagon? You know, those days are gone. We have the, the means to get around and we need to be using them. Studying the Word has to be the top priority. If He's going to teach us, if we're going to hear the voice of the Spirit, we have to know His voice. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I got this one right. Be diligent. Study. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And of course, if we can rightly divide it, that means we can wrongly divide it. So we've got to study to rightly divide it. <clears throat> but it takes work. And of course, work is a four-letter word to some. Especially when it comes to studying. But we need to train ourselves. He'll teach us. Psalm 122. And we'll close with this. <clears throat> it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. <clears throat> May they prosper who love you. And there's that word prosper again. And it's the same Hebrew word to prosper. means to be valuable, useful, and to do good. Those who love peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. We need to pray for the peace and the prosperity of Jerusalem because that's what he's saying here. For the sake of my <clears throat> brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They prosper who love her. <clears throat> it's not wrong to want a prophet. It's not wrong to want to be prosperous. There's so much alike. We have to apply those, though, in the proper sense. Because they are hand in hand. And they, they dovetail. We have to keep our priorities straight. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And all those things will be added. All sufficiency in all things. And abundance for every good work. And abundance means just that. Abundance. Enough. More than enough. Super abundant. For every good work. It's ours. We just have to understand. He'll teach us to profit. If our hearts are open. Father we love you. We praise you, we glorify you, we magnify you, and we bless you. We thank you for the privilege of being able to talk about prosperity and profit and understand what they are. That it's to better ourselves, to reach a goal, to be profitable, beneficial, useful in the kingdom of God, useful to others on this earth. 
Thank you for that privilege. We consider it a privilege, Father. And we also consider it something that you've given us, that belongs to us. So we thank you for that. Thank you for that privilege. Thank you for that right. Thank you for your word on the subject. We don't take it lightly or for granted. We praise you and thank you for it. And Father, you continue to teach us, to instruct us, to prod us, to goad us, to show us by example and illustration in every way how to profit and be prosperous. How to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. We're open to your teaching. We are not closed-minded. So we thank you. And we thank you for wisdom to do just that. Godly wisdom. Not wisdom of the world. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. But godly wisdom. Wisdom from you. We expect to receive it. But we've asked you in faith. We're not double-minded. We're not unstable. Thank you. Thank you, dear Father. Thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name.